glad that you're here. Uh, if, if, uh, if you were going to our church project in Aurora, then you'd be home sleeping. They are like two feet of snow, and they canceled church today. And I know some of you are hoping the same here, but no, I'm joking. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, today's going to be a powerful message. If you would, open your Bibles to James chapter 2, verse 18 through 20. That's right. We're going to get through two verses today. If you have a blue Bible, open it up to page 699. This is going to be a powerful message, but God is doing powerful things here at Church Project. I mean, just the fact that walking in the last couple of weeks, all the, all the college people and all the people greeting as we walk in the door, like, that's awesome. Did you notice Jared gave up his gum duties to Carl? I mean, that, that's impressive. There's like an intern doing that, but God's doing something here. Like, it, it, like it's incredible to see God's church coming alive. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I stood up and talked about how, how it is a church. This is kind of it. This is all we can do until we all begin to step up and be part of his body. And it's bringing tears to my eyes, knowing that we as his body, we're stepping up and we're moving and we're going to make an incredible impact here. I don't know if you noticed it, but I noticed it. Jeremy, during that one song, all three of you took parts of that. Like, that's beautiful to see God's body moving together. Church, I love being part of this with you, and today I think is a powerful message because we are only going to hit two verses, but they're powerful verses, and I think it's going to affect each and every one of us when we look at this. One of the things that we do at Church Project is we hit a book, and we stay in that book until we're done with it. It's called expository teaching, and so our two verses today, I hope you're ready for it. Let me, let me read them. James chapter 2, verses 18 through 20 page 699 on the Blue Bible, says this, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Okay, let's set this up. These are the two verses we're looking at today. Let's set this up. James is writing just years after his half-brother, Jesus, was crucified on the cross, rose from the dead, appeared to a ton of people, and people are are now, they know that this is the Messiah. He is who he claims that he is. And this is just years, 8 to 18 years after that time, and James is writing to the church. He's writing a letter. It would be like us right here in this place. Him addressing it to church project and reading it or giving us this message today. And only a few years after Jesus, the life of Jesus, he's writing. And in verse 18 and 19, he says, you know what? Church, what's happening to us? We're beginning to get apathetic. We're beginning to get ho-hum. But this thing that we say that we believe in, this Jesus, this Messiah, the one that has transformed us and is alive in us, we come together and it's just kind of like kumbaya, a good Christian country club. And it's breaking James' heart. And, and honestly, as, as I look out, I'm like, church, it's not breaking my heart. It's exciting me where we're at at Church Project and, and, and especially the life of Church Project. We've been going for four or five years, and I'm looking around at people that are hungry for God. And it's humbling to think that he's asked us to do this. It's humbling to think that we get to do this together. So as I look at at these verses, and I look at Christianity at large, I want to remind us and focus in on something specific today. The main figure in Christianity is Jesus Christ. The main figure 
in Christianity is Jesus Christ. Jesus, if you know the story, this will be a recap. If not, this will be some awesome learning here. Jesus, born from, from Mary, a virgin Mary. He's born fully man, and he's born fully God. He's deity in flesh. He's part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. And if we look at history, and we look at any history books, you look back and you begin to study, history has proven that Jesus Christ was a real individual. You don't have to be a Christian to know that. You just have to be a history buff. And so history has proven that Jesus Christ was a real individual. At some point in your life, though, you need to deal with Jesus. You need to think about Jesus. You need to come to the point where you ask questions. Was he just a great teacher? Was he just a a good man, an incredible leader? Or was he truly God in flesh? It's proven there was a Jesus Christ. Now, how does that impact us today as we sit here today? Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? The Bible is full of teachings of the life of Christ. And as I began to study and I began to prepare even for the message today, I I pulled up a ton of commentaries, I pulled up a ton of resources and just began to study. And it's one of those, have you ever, like, okay, you have to finish a topic, but something shiny gets your attention and you end up way over here? Have Have you ever done that? But this was one of those weeks where I'm like, okay, topic. And then I'm like, whoa, I'm way over here. And then I have to reel myself back in because we're not talking about revelations right now. Okay, and so I, uh, multiple times I kept doing that. And last night I found myself doing it again. And, and sometimes it's like, God, what are you saying and what are you trying to teach us? And, but I got to tell you this, one great resource I came across was a book called Who is Jesus? And it's written by Tom Wright. And I'm telling you, I'm going to go back and read it again this week. The book is called Who is Jesus by the theologian Tom Wright. And it is thick. It talks about the life of Jesus, who he was, the culture, all this stuff. And so as you want to research Jesus, the man, then I would say that's a great resource to pick up. But the Bible is full of teachings of the life of Christ. It's, it's full of them. He's the, main, he's the main central figure of our faith here. And we can examine the way that he lived his life. And we can examine what he's taught us about who he is and how we are to live our life. So, I have two words for you. Here's two words. Apathy and indifference. Apathy and indifference. Would you use these words to describe Jesus? What words would you, would you use to describe Jesus? The Jesus that you read about, the Jesus that jumps off the pages of Scripture. I wouldn't use apathy and I, and I wouldn't use indifference. I would use a lot like more active words. I would not use those words. What words would you use in place to describe Jesus? Well, if you look at Jesus in Scripture, there's 31 individual healings, healings that Jesus performs in Scripture. 31. There, and of the four synoptic, synoptic Gospels, um, these are the ones that they all talk about. So in all the Gospels, the, ones, the, the miracles, the healings that I'm going to talk about here in a minute, they're in all four of the Synoptic Gospels, okay? So 
Let's, let's, let's uh, visit our memory bank here. See if you can think of some of these, okay? Jesus, he heals the leper in Galilee. Remember that story? Some of us, we don't know <laughs> really any of these stories, but they are really good to look up. But he, he heals a leper in Galilee. That is not apathy. That is not indifference. Peter's, he heals Peter's mother-in-law who's sick with a fever. Jesus heals a paralytic man in Capernaum. And Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. Remember that? Jesus heals one or even two demonics at a tomb. I remember reading about that one when I was young, and I was scared. Like, whoa, you know, that, oh, that, was, that was an evil one, right? Jesus heals Jairus' daughter. That's not indifference. Jesus heals a woman with issues of blood. Jesus heals an epileptic son. These are just the ones that all four of the Gospels have, in, and they all talk about. But there's 31 healings that we can go through, and we can see the life of Christ. Jesus lived a life of action. He didn't just sit back. He was full of words and deeds, and he was, his faith matched his works. And as James is writing the church, and as James is writing us today, we our lives should reflect the life of Jesus Christ, and our, and our faith should be lived out by our works. Um, Dr. Utley, a, a theologian, I came across this quote this week, and I, and I just have to say it. I quoted him last week. I think I'm, I'm starting to really like this guy. But here's what he said. He said, to know Christ is to emulate him. I'm just pausing for effect there. To know Christ is to emulate him, to live as he lived to love as he loved, to give oneself to others as he gave himself to others. So when I think of the words apathy and indifference, those are the furthest words that I would ever use to describe the person of Jesus Christ. And to know Christ is to emulate him. To have a relationship with him is to grow more like him every day and let him reflect his goodness through our lives, through our words and deeds. I think of 1 John 2, 6, and it says this, whoever says, he, um, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Like, as Christians, we get the honor of our life has been transformed. Our life has been rearranged and changed and injected with hope and love. And we get the awesome opportunity to let God reflect his love in us every single day. And our aim should be to, to look more and more like him every day. The man that is far from apathy and indifference. The man who is full of power and hope and love. The man that has forgiven us. Need we forget that? I would like us to turn in our Bibles to Matthew verse 9, or chapter 9, verse 35. In your Bible, it's on page 562. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, on page 562. And this is what it says. Talking of Jesus, this man. As Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless. 
like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into the harvest. And you get the picture here of Jesus. He's seeing need. He's seeing, seeing hurt. He's seeing pain. And he has, he, has, he has feeling and he has emotion. And he's sitting and, he's, and his heart is breaking for people. And he's saying, they are helpless. They're being harassed. They have no hope. They are like a sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, as his heart's breaking, he turns to his disciples and says, man, do you see this need? Do you see this pain. Pray that, that this harvest is huge. Pray that God would bring harvesters, people, men and women in the year 2016 that would have jobs at JBS and, and Kodak and everywhere around this northern Colorado area as school teachers and nurses and college students and teenagers. And we would go and we would be the people speaking love to people that are being harassed and led to the slaughter. His heart's breaking. And he's empowered his church. He's empowered us. First and foremost, he's shown us how much he loves us. He's shown us how our actions don't line up with his perfect love. And yet he died on the cross and forgave us of all those sins. And he has changed our life. And then he turns and he says, and James is writing about, man, may our works be matched by our faith. May this faith draw us to love everyone that we come in contact with. What a huge charge. And then John 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now this is a subtle thing. This is Jesus talking to us. And I I want to explain this verse a little bit because Jesus is talking and he says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And we've already seen he's done 31 healings. Anyone in here ever done 31 healings? He says, greater works than these. You're going to do greater works than I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And this is the moment, this is the moment where the church, he speaks into the power of the church. He doesn't look to the individual and say, hey, one individual, you are going to do more than I did. You are going to rock the nation and do incredible things. What he does is he looks at the church, capital C Church, and he says this, you will do greater things than I have done. I look at the year 2016. And I go, I wonder what Jesus would do with the technology we have today, with the resources that we have today, to the, to the amount of resources and technology and how the world is so small. What kind of impact would Jesus have if he was placed into 2016? And I think Jesus knew this as he was looking out and he's saying, you think I did great things? Wait till you see what you do, church, what you do in the world, because it's going to be big. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be greater than the things that I've even done. I've powered you. I have given you the Holy Spirit to guide you, to direct you, to teach you. And by the way, here's the keys to the car. And he empowers his church, leaves us the Holy Spirit, and he says, I am excited to see what you do. 
I remember living in Miami. I was a starving musician because I dropped out of college. Uh, don't do that, anyone over here. Don't do that. Or maybe just make sure you have food. I was, that, that really speaks more into my uh, ability to play. I was a starving musician. <laughs> and I, I remember this time. It was, it, was, it was a hard time for me, but it was a beautiful time. All I had was passion. I mean, I had no smarts whatsoever. I've told you stories about getting beat up. I've told you all these things. But all I had was passion. All I knew that God had, had changed my life, and I just wanted to tell people and show people this love. You know, you ever been there where it's just like, okay, don't have a clue what I'm doing in Miami, but I'm going to tell people God's love. And I, and I remember moments down there full of passion but an empty belly and just going, uh-oh, God, like, this isn't good. I'm running out of energy. And, and I remember a, a brother of mine came and gave me a card, debit card, credit card kind of thing. Suddenly I could go to places I could never go before. Suddenly I could eat. That was pretty awesome. Eating is pretty good. I suggest we all do that often. <laughs> With that card, my life was transformed. No longer was I just worried about, okay, what am I going to eat at this moment or this day, you know? With this card, suddenly I had the power, and suddenly I, had, I knew that I was going to be able to eat. And I, this guy was such a blessing at this time. And truly, as we look at this, as a starving musician, that card changed my life. And, and, and never again was I worried about what was going to happen down there because I had been provided for in that moment. And church, as Jesus looks at us, he's saying this, greater things are you going to do. I have, I've loved you, I've empowered you, I've given you everything, and no longer do you need to worry about this because I've provided for this. I've empowered you to do incredible things, church. But always know that it's because of my name that's on that card. It's because I have changed your life. It's because I am the source of hope. I am love. This is about the relationship between you and I. And when you and I lock eyes and when you find your identity in me, then you can go out and you can serve the world. You can serve your neighbor. You can love others. Church, as I think of this, I also think of 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's on page 667 of your blue Bibles. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are new creations. Isaiah 43 verses 18 through 19 says this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Church, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God, this, their church, this is the promise from God as he looks at us. And he says, I am doing a new thing in your life. I'm going to make a way in the desert. It's going to be a river. It's going to be beautiful. I am transforming you. I am doing new things in you. And I want to remind us that as Jesus is the center of this Christian faith, and we have been transformed by this, this wit is what James is writing to when he gets to these, these verses and he's writing to the church. And I want to read these verses again. James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. James is reminding the church 
And James is reminding us. Look in verse 18, what he's reminding us. He's saying, faith that isn't displayed is, is no faith at all. Faith that isn't displayed is no faith of all. To the capacity we are able, we will live out our faith. Why? Because we've been changed. We can't help it. As Christians, it's, it's what we do. Our faith comes alive in our actions because daily we're locking eyes with Jesus and we're, we're remembering how much Jesus has loved us and forgiven us and how, how much he's empowered us. And it's because of that we get to go out and we get to serve and we get to love. Psalms 104.33 says, I, have, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. Have you ever been in a hospital where someone is passing away? Have you ever been in the last moments of a life of someone that you would say is, is, a, is a godly man or a godly woman, and in the last moments they're, they're just whispering praise of who God is to the very last breath? Like they realize that their entire life was changed and all they wanted to do was serve God and reflect God in their life. Have you ever been able to be in some of those moments? Some of the most beautiful and the sweetest moments. And I hope my prayer is Psalms 104.33 for my life and for our life is that I will sing praise to the Lord as long as I live. I, I will sing praise to my God while I have being. And, he, and if all I have is praise, then may that work reflect my faith. If all I can do is lay here because I'm a, para, a paralegic, not able to move at all, then may I just in that state somehow sing praise to God because he has changed me and that faith in my actions is being lived out. At what capacity do we have to show the works and have deeds? Well, we walk, we breathe, we talk. Everywhere we go, we have the ability to reflect the love of God in our life, not because of that deed, but because our life has been changed. Our faith is matching our works. How we've experienced and loved God is matching our deeds, even to our dying death as we lay possibly just still and letting our voice praise God. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to be a part of church. How about you? As Christians, we must act. Our faith produces our works. We are new creations. We think differently. We are called to greater purposes. It's a fun message. It's a beautiful message. When you get that it's not the charge to go do something. It's the charge to remember what's been done to you and to reflect that. Let's look at verse 19. Verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. At its core, our new, our new identity, our self, salvation affects all of us. It affects our heads as we form new thoughts and doctrine and, and think differently than the world. It affects our heads. It affects our heart as we trust in Christ. And he gives us a new heart, a heart full of love that beats full of joy and hope and love. Our salvation affects our head, it affects our heart, and church, it affects our hands as we mirror the life of Christ as servants. Our salvation, it, it, it changes everything about us, the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we do. 
And James is looking at the church and he's saying, come on, church, let's do it. Let's not get apathetic. Let's not get indifferent. And he's looking at us today and he's saying, church, let's do this. Let's do this thing. Let's remind, let's remind ourselves that this is all about Jesus, from Jesus, for Jesus. Let it change our hearts, change our mind, and change our feet and our hands as we go and we serve and we love the world around us. Belief is logical. And we look in, in verse 19, belief is logical. Even the demons believe and shudder. It's logical. It's all just up here in the head. Oh, but there's a difference. Actions and deeds is supernatural. When we as Christians get to go and love and serve, even in Haiti or the places that we go, our neighbors, when, when we begin to have works in our life that transforms others, that's not just logical, that's supernatural. The only way that we can go and love others is because Christ has loved us. And he's empowered us to do so. We are his hands and his feet. May we not focus on simply getting from point A to B. May that not be our focus. Or simply just focus on making it to Friday. Or the next vacation. Or holiday. We can get caught up in the chaos of this world. And the movement of the world so much. That it's about that, the end result. And we miss the whole thing that this is about a rhythm. It's about a journey. It's about a relationship that my life would be found in him in this journey. So in the process of getting from point A to point B or working Monday through Friday, we know that it's not the result we're looking for. It's the daily rhythm. Taking communion at your desk. Smiling in those moments at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. It's encountering that tough email that all you want to do is fire back. It's about being Jesus in the places that he takes us this week. It's about even in this place, guys, women, men, children. This right here should be the rally in charge. Like, hey, last week was hard, huh? little hard but isn't God good and this week it might be hard right but isn't God good and as we go and he empowers and he says you're the church you're going to do greater things than even myself we remember that in our rhythms between point a and b and Monday through Friday and we reflect his goodness wherever we go why not because he said go do he says remember me remember the faith remember what I've done And reflect that in your deeds and actions. What an honor, church. May my every breath be filled with his purposes. To my dying last breath, may it be filled with his purposes. Our prayer should be this. Lord, make me more like you. So when we encounter James... And especially when we encounter the last half of chapter 2, some of us can feel like we're getting our tails kicked. All right, enough about going and doing. (laughs) It's not about that. It's about, Lord, make me more like you. And the Jesus that's the center of this that we read about, we saw how much works he had in his life, don't we? We saw that it wasn't about just point A to B. 
He was resolute on Jerusalem. No one was changing that story. But he healed along the way. He took time to pause and to pray, to be, to be in relationship. He wasn't apathetic and indifferent. He had a heart that beat for his fathers. And church, as we read these, may this not be a kick in the pants. May it be a boost of encouragement that we get to reflect God everywhere that we go in our life. Our prayer, Lord, make me more like you. I asked Jeff, Jeff and Ginger Davidson uh, to be bray, praying and come up and, and give us a scripture and pray over us. So Jeff and Ginger, if you would come up, that'd be great. Okay, there's one problem. <laughs> I forgot my purse, and therefore my reading glasses. <laughs> and so I'm asking if anybody has their reading glasses that I can borrow. I do have a scripture. I just want to read it correctly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bless you. Bottom, the bottom. So I've been panicking the whole time. How am I going to read? <laughs> I hope these work. So Aaron texted us this morning, and so I was semi-panicking because I was like, well, what if I don't hear anything while we're in church? But God is good, always. And the whole time I've been thinking of Hebrews 12, it was, I actually had a different verse that I was praying this morning before we came to church, but this is what came to mind. (sighs) Sorry. We're a crying family, so (laughs) trying not to. So, uh, Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And then just a little bit further down in Romans, that was Romans 12. Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Um, just hopefully a continuation, but we'll see. But um, in my devotion this morning, uh, doing Oswald Chambers, uh, my utmost for his highest, he focused on this verse, and um, and I appreciate Aaron's, one of his first comments this morning about, hey, you know what, Christianity is about Christ. Um, and I think out of that, um, things that we've learned this morning, uh, that will, will come to fruition. But um, just a simple verse. So this is after Jesus' resurrection. So John 21, 7. It says, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loves, loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. Um, so my prayer as I pray this morning is, um, it starts with that pursuit, that our lives um, should just be going after Christ. And focusing on that relationship, and out of that, um, 
the natural thing is, uh, I don't know if the, the word works, but just the service. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this message, and I thank you for this opportunity um, just to come up here and pray a simple prayer uh, that our lives and our breath will be completely focused on you, um, and that from out of that, uh, because of the great love that you have for us, um, that we can truly be changes in our in our lives and the communities around us because of what we can only do through you and the way that you empower us. Uh, so, Lord, I just simply pray that um, that you will help us to focus on uh, just the breath that you give us and the and the abilities that you give us uh, to to indeed love others, to serve others uh, through your great love for us. And I just ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, I don't know how God is speaking to you. Um, I would ask us right now to just close our Bibles and close our notes. One of the, the powers of the Holy Spirit is that he can speak to each and every one of us, and He does. So I don't know what He's prodding in your heart. I don't know what He's prodding in your mind today. But I would ask that we would be calm enough and still enough to hear that still, small voice in our life. So I invite you uh, to just close your eyes, and if you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out in front of you with your palms up in a very submissive state, saying, God, anything that I'm holding on to, pride, arrogance, whatever it may be. May I put that in my hand and give it to you. And at the same time, God, I ask that I receive anything that you want to show me. Speak any word into my life. Just, God, I'm here as a humble servant. My life has been transformed by you. God, you say that I'm a new creation. That your mercies are new every morning. So God, in this place, would you make me a new creation? May your mercies be new today. May my love relationship continue to grow stronger every day. But God, as I sit in this place, this has been a tough week. There's things going on in my life. God, only you know how you're going to get me out of this. But God, I stand on the promise that as I lock my eyes with you, that you have everything in control in my life. Regardless of what that medical report looks like, regardless of the situation going on in my life, regardless of the anxiety, regardless of whatever's going on, God, we read and we see in the Bible how Jesus healed miraculous things. And God, in my life, I want to be aligned with you. I give you control of my life. Say, God, may it be about you, not about me. Lord, our prayer is, Lord, make us more like you. And so, church, I pray over us that God would intimately speak to every one of us as we sit here. Some of us, we, we're, we're just going to say for the first time, God, may life, my life be about you and not me. I give you control of my life. And I praise God, amen for that. Some of us, there's small things that God's saying, tweak this, do this, be about this, go there, do this.
And not because of the just the straight up, I want you to do it, but because, remember, I love you. I ask you to reflect me. So God, I pray in this place that you would speak to every one of us, that the action you're calling us to, we would go, and it ought to be based on our love relationship with you. Thank you for bringing us in this place today. May you get much glory and praise.